So Luke chapter 2 is where we're headed. I wanted to give us just an encouragement as we come to the word of the Lord, as I do from time to time, that we're all to be good Bereans, to use an oftenly quoted phrase. But it's a good one, and that simply means to come always with all readiness of mind, but to also come and to think through that which is proclaimed and preached. Nobody gets it all right, and I put myself well and truly in that category. I haven't reached perfection yet. I'll let you know when I get there. Until I do, this is not the inerrant word. This is the inerrant word of God. So let's come with openness, with readiness, but let's come ready to think, ready to reason together, ready to examine Scripture, allow Scripture to have its perfect work in our heart. And I never get discouraged if people come to me and they say, actually, you know, I was, as long as it's written nicely, I was thinking about the message and here's some thoughts, here's some different perspectives. It encourages me for two reasons. One, because it meant you were not sleeping through the sermon and you were paying attention. And secondly, because it means that we're thinking and examining. And in the era in which we live, that is so important. Let's reason together. Let's come and allow the truth of God's word to reshape. Not opinions and other perspectives. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity this morning to gather around your word. I thank you that it is your word that is powerful. Your word is a two-edged sword. Your word brings life and it brings food and sustenance to us. And this is a privilege that we never want to take for granted, to gather in your name, to publicly proclaim your word, and to come with listening ears to hear what it is that your spirit is saying to each one of us today. Thank you that you are always at work. You're at work in our lives personally, you're at work in our midst, you're at work in our nation and in the world, accomplishing your purposes and plans despite whatever news headline might be dominating. And so we pray that in whatever way you desire, that your kingdom would be established, precept upon precept, the power and authority, the rule and domain of the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let it be established this day. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Let your word be proclaimed with power and may it accomplish all that you desire in our hearts. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 2. I know we've already had reminders of Christmas, but I've simply entitled the message this morning, A Christmas Reminder. Yet another reminder of Christmas. And I find it helpful. It, I'm sure you'd agree. gets to this time of year. There's so many different things happening. There's busyness. There's people to see. There's things to do. But I've always found it so helpful to have a moment to pause and to be reminded of Christmas. What is this season about? What's the essence of it? And I want to share some thoughts from Luke chapter 2 to remind us of the significance for us as we approach this time of year. And I know that every time this, this particular celebration comes, that this Christmas lovers, anyone love Christmas? Everything Christmas is about. And then there's the Christmas haters, and you don't need to, you know, you can slowly slink into the distance. You know, we, we know that's okay. I know there is good and bad associated with Christmas as there is with life. But I think there's still much good that we can embrace. And I had one of those reminders. I was walking through the aisles of Woolworths, doing some shopping just this week. And as I was there, 
collecting my vegetables, doing my groceries, thinking about all things unspiritual. All of a sudden, I don't remember what was played before it, but over the loudspeaker, there was the wonderful carol, Joy to the World. It wasn't perhaps a traditional version. It was a little more up-tempo and upbeat. But nevertheless, there was the message proclaimed. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And so in the midst of my grocery shopping, I was, wow, that's fantastic. In Woolworths, the gospel being proclaimed, let earth receive her king. I said, amen, a quiet amen. And I had no idea whether anybody else in the supermarket was even aware going about their duties. But I did think what a wonderful reality that even today, some 2,000 years later, still the gospel is proclaimed. In the midst, I know, of everything else. But there is the message, there is the proclamation of the coming of a saviour, of the birth of Jesus Christ. It is a season of proclamation. And this is the one time of year. It's what I love most about Christmas, where publicly and unashamedly, even in our society, with everything else that goes on, the good news of Jesus is still proclaimed. And that kind of seems... Yeah, well, that's a moment for applause. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, and may that continue. And it seems appropriate to me, because what is, and you probably already turned there and had a little sneak preview, but what's the one moment in Scripture where the coming of Christ was publicly proclaimed? You want to think of a specific answer? Well, let's read. I won't leave you hanging. Let's read from Luke chapter 2, verse 8, the first proclamation or the first reminder of what Christmas is all about. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Just imagine what these shepherds are seeing and experience. Experiencing. Experiencing. Ing. Got it out. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased." When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with great haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The last verse, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and all that they had seen, just as it had been told them. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. The first proclamation publicly of the birth of Christ. And there's three things in this particular reality that I think are worthy of our attention. Let's first of all think about the scene. Who is it that takes center stage? It's the shepherds. 
Right up front, the shepherds are an interesting choice. You see, the shepherds were not generally on most people's list of desirable professions. The shepherds, in fact, in that particular culture and day and age, were considered unclean because they worked with animals. So generally, they weren't allowed into the normal functioning of society in terms of Levitical worship, coming to the temple to worship God. They were, in some ways, the outcasts, the people that nobody thought much about. They were the shepherds. Now, certainly there is some prophetic relevance, perhaps, in the Lord choosing the shepherds to take center stage in his proclamation of the birth of Christ. But what is very clear is a few things. First of all, we know that they didn't ask for it, and they didn't earn it, and they weren't even expecting it. We read that the shepherds were there, watching their, their flocks. It was, a, it was a night, it was a time like no other. And then into the midst of that comes one of the most glorious proclamations and demonstrations and breaking through of the reality of God into human experience. And you see, this is what I love most about the story. If you read the Christmas story, and I'm sure you will this time of year if you haven't already, there's a lot of involvement of angels. We see angels to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Obviously, Mary has an angel appear to her with the mission, glorious mission that she was gifted with and invited into. Joseph has a dream with an angel in it. So there's angels instructing, there's angels directing. But in each case, the angels showed up for the sake of the person involved, to tell them what to do. Here's the plan. Here's what you need to do. The angel shows up for them. But this is the one time I can see in the whole story where the angels simply show up for his sake, for God's sake. In this case, there's no plan. There's no agenda. There's no conditions. There's no strings attached other than a God who shows up to proclaim a message of the good news of the birth of Christ simply for their joy, to a people who are completely undeserving. And just think with me through the extravagance, the utter extravagance of this proclamation. See, Mary got an angel, but only one, and no, one angel's all right. Who'd be happy to have a visitation from an angel? Maybe not. Depends what the angel's coming to say. But you don't mess with angels. 2 Kings 19, one angel takes out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in an evening. I mean, angels are scary dudes. I mean, one angel's okay. Joseph got an angel in his dream. But the shepherds here, they get the host of heaven. They get the glory of the living God shining around them. And I don't want us to miss how over the top and how extravagant this is. All for what purpose? Just because. Why not? Why not? I'd love to have been there in the heavenly discussion. As God says to the entire host of heaven, here's the plan. We're going to go and surprise a few shepherds. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. The eternal plan of the uncreated God. We're going to turn up. Why? What's, what? Just because. Just because this is an extravagant message worth extravagantly proclaiming. It's totally extravagant. It's totally over-the-top outrageous. But it's a message that must be proclaiming. Here is one of the most glorious visitations ever recorded in human history. You'd struggle to find anything else in the Scriptures 
All for what reason? For his glory and just because. Just because he is a God who loves to proclaim for his joy. Inviting us into the joy of his glorious plan of salvation. So three reminders that are so wonderful for us, and I pray that these resonate in our hearts this morning. Let it be so. Number one, if you're taking notes, there is good news. This is a proclamation of good news. See, I imagine, what what were the shepherds thinking? Maybe they were sitting around that particular night, and they were having a discussion. They were talking about the downturn in the housing market. They were talking about the issues in politics. Maybe they were talking about the Australian cricket team. Why can't they get their act together? We don't know. What is it that consumes our thoughts and our feelings? See, so often it can be difficult, not only this time of year, but any time of year, for us really to grab a hold of the good news. Because if we're honest, we are surrounded by a world that is full of so much other stuff. There's terrors, there's tragedies, there's problems. And if we're honest... It's easy to lose sight of the good news. I recently got a new iPad, praise the Lord. Can someone say amen there? That's a good moment. That was a very... not sure if we should say amen to that at all. But on this new iPad, and of of all apps, um, this was a fascinating one to me, but there's this new app which I've not encountered before called Newsfeed. Who knows what Newsfeed is? Not, well, let me explain because there's only a few hands up. So there's this particular app and you download it and what it does is it feeds in all this different news from around the world. Now it comes with just a default setting. So I downloaded this particular app and I thought this is fantastic because I do like to hear what's going on around the world. Wake up in the morning, like to have a little bit of a glimpse at the papers or the, the iPad. And so now I don't have to go searching. It's just all downloaded into my one app. The problem with this is it comes with this default setting. And as I opened it up, every morning, do you know what I found? All sorts of news that was not very good. All sorts of opinion, all sorts of different perspective. My news feed had been flooded with everything but good news. And it really made me think, you know, we live, if we like, lives with a news feed. And our news feed, I believe, comes with a default setting. And the default setting is all this other stuff, all these other things that consume our attention and our affection. And Christmas, for me, is a wonderful time to remember that there is good news. And here's the challenge is, what is the default setting of your news feed? What do you have regularly appearing there? Is it the world news? Is it the fake news? Or is it the good news? Because there is good news. This is the story. Unto us, a Savior is born. A Savior who says your sins are forgiven. Unto us, a Savior is born. A Savior who says, by my stripes, you are healed. Unto us a Savior is born who says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Unto us a Savior is born who says, He who believes in me will not die, but will have everlasting life. Now that's the reality that I want filling my news feed. And sometimes we got to recalibrate. Recalibrating my news feed Because I want to be focused 
I want to be dwelling. I want to be fixed upon the good news. Not just the world news, certainly not the fake news, the good news of the gospel. That's the first reality, the second reminder, and I love this, so evident in this particular passage, that there is a gift that has been given. We talked before about God sovereignly choosing a group of people. Why does he choose them? That he might offer a gift. No strings attached. No small print, no conditions. Didn't say to the shepherds, well, if you can earn it, if you can strive hard for it, if you can sign up for church attendance, if you can lift your game a little bit this year, read your Bible more, pray more often. None of that. He just shows up to present them with this glorious gift of a Savior. You see, it kind of sounds like the gospel, doesn't it? It somehow seems right that the very first people invited to gaze upon the incarnate Christ, the ultimate gift of God, least expected it and arguably probably least deserved it. And yet there was God with this glorious proclamation saying, here is a gift, a gift that has been given to you and to all of mankind. And we remember, of course, that the gift, it wasn't a doctrine, it wasn't religious activity, but it was the person of Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that ever has been and ever will be given was a Savior. His punishment for our forgiveness, His broken body for our wholeness, His wounds for our healing, His blood for our cleansing, His death for our life. His rejection for our acceptance. His righteousness for our filthy rags. His glory for our shame. Why? Why would God give such a gift? Why would he give such a gift? The answer is really simple. For God so loved. Because he loves you. He's not afraid of our mess. I was just thinking about this during the worship time, actually. One of my little girls, I'm not even sure exactly what happened, but she ran over to me, middle of the worship time, and there's tears flowing and snot everywhere, and she's upset. And, you know, I I just say, my heart is moved by by that. And I don't say, whoa, hang on a sec, something's going on here. You know, just clean yourself up a little bit. Get yourself together, girl. We're in church. Come on. Pull it together. What's my response as a father? To reach down and embrace. Not afraid of the mess. Tears, snot. Why? Because they're my favorite moments of being a dad. Of picking up my little girl when she's needy and broken. And just whispering, sweetheart, it's going to be okay. Daddy's here. I don't even, don't even know what the problem is, but it's going to be okay. Daddy's here. Daddy's got you. Daddy loves you. This is the gift of God. It's a gift that's worth just remembering and rejoicing in. Not only every Christmas, but each and every day. See, Christmas is about the breaking through of the glory of God into the darkness of our stubborn, selfish pride. Manifests itself in the middle of the mess and the ordinariness of life to offer us this gift of himself, of relationship. What a wonderful joy it is. And the third one, very simply, is this. Christmas is always an invitation 
It's a, a proclamation of his great invitation. You see, he says to the shepherds, not only there's good news, not only there's a gift, but he says, come and see for yourself. See, he's the God who invites us in. Come and see, taste, savor, delight in, touch, hold, and let it change and rearrange who you are. And that's exactly what happens for the shepherds. It says they leave with great rejoicing, proclaiming the wonders of an eternal God. See, I'm so convinced as each year passes that we are a tired people, a weary generation. We're burdened. The rat race gets faster. There's more people to see, more gadgets to buy, more opinions to express on Facebook. And yet so often in all of that busyness, we miss the invitation to him. We're so distracted. A gift has been given. But then, or a gift has been proclaimed, and then it's up to us. Will we respond? Will we come and receive his invitation? That's all that's required. Just receive it. He's done it all. He's standing there with arms open wide. And there's a reminder of his invitation, but of our responsibility to come. To come and drink of his love. To come and receive afresh his grace. To come with heavy hearts and allow his unshakable peace to rest upon us. To come with sorrow and leave with rejoicing. To come with doubts and fears and uncertainty. To leave in awesome wonder. To come with all of our failures and leave perfected in his perfect love. This is the reminder that I believe is so important for us today and this Christmas. And I pray that for each one of us, there will be moments, maybe it's walking through the aisles of Woolworths. Maybe it's if you manage to get along to a Christmas carol service somewhere. Maybe it's on TV, watching something around this time of year. I am so grateful that there still are moments of his proclamation breaking through into the ordinariness of our lives. And I pray that not only would it break through, but we would hear his invitation, that we would rejoice and that we would respond. Can we pray? You're able to come and play some keys. Now, there's an invitation this morning. There's a few different invitations, but particularly I've had a sense this week and this morning, just this picture of a God who has good gifts for his kids. And just prior to the service, we have a prayer meeting and I got the prayer team to pray for me and there was a reminder of how important it is in all seasons, but particularly in seasons, the midst of busyness and the midst of all the stuff that goes on, of just having someone to come and to lay hands on you. And that's, that's my heart for, for us today. If you're in a place, it might not be busyness, it might be weighed down, it might be struggling with stuff there might be difficulties you know there is an open altar this morning and there's a prayer team who would love nothing more than just to come and to pray over you a blessing of peace a peace that's not just an absence of stuff it's the wrong picture of biblical peace his shalom is the fullness the fullness of his presence, the fullness of his love that washes over.
presence, fullness of His grace that picks us up, dusts us off, embraces us in, in the midst of the stuff that hangs around, washes us in the mercy and the majesty of His love. This is the God we worship. This is the recalibration that, that I need, that we need. Maybe it's not this morning that you want someone to pray with you. Maybe there's just a sense where you know you need to recalibrate your heart. You're very welcome just to come and kneel at the front. Always think it's important. The Lord is drawing you to respond in some way. To say yes. At least come and kneel. If not coming to kneel, if you want prayer, come forward. There's a prayer team to pray for you. But just before we get to that, I want to give an invitation as well that if there's anyone here this morning, for whatever reason, you know that you are far away from this God that I have described. If you're hearing this story proclaimed, perhaps for the first time, perhaps you've heard it before and you've not responded, of a Savior who's come, a Savior who loved you so much that He went to the cross to give you a gift that you could never earn or deserve and a saviour who is standing this morning with arms wide open calling you home he's calling you calling you by name if you would just respond this day there's no sin that you've done there's no mistake that you've made it's greater than his love I want to give you that invitation this morning. Maybe you've responded at another period in your life. But if you know, for whatever reason, there is a distance between you and God. And you want to make that right this morning. It's the first step, the beginning of an incredible journey. I just want you to raise your hand where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to get you to do anything. Make you uncomfortable. I don't want to make sure that that opportunity is given this morning. Just wait a moment longer. If that's you, all you need to do is raise your hand where you are. To say, yes, I want to be made right with God. There's no hands and that's fine. If that is you and you're not willing to put up your hand, please come and see me. His blood has made so complete a way that there never needs to be a distance between you and God. So for the rest of us, let me pray. And then as I said, the altar's open. If you want to come and just kneel, if you want someone to pray with you this morning, we're just going to release the prayer team. Maybe if they could even come forward just as I close in prayer, ready to pray. Father, we thank you for a simple but hopefully powerful reminder for each of us. Lord, may there be at least something in there for every single person that stirs our heart, that causes us to remember who you are and all that you've done for us. And Lord, I pray that in the midst of not only what has come this year, but in the midst of the last final few weeks, all the things to do, 
to get done all the busyness, that we would stop, that we would be still and know that you're God, that our eyes would fill, be filled with wonder afresh at the glory of our Savior, that we too might join with the shepherds with great rejoicing, proclaiming the wondrous works that you've done. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.